Hello everybody and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of July 15th through July 21st. I'm your host Colin McIsaac and as always I'm joined by Alex Plant. Insert something quippy here. And Ben Lemoreau. What he said. This week we've got a slew of news for you as usual. We'll also be talking about some of the stories from last week as we dedicated the previous episode to talk about Satoru Iwata. Uh, after the break we are going to discuss what we would like to see if Mario Kart 8 ever got more DLC. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, real quick before we start, a few weeks ago we mentioned that we'd have Jaren Moore from Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions on the show. Unfortunately, that segment had to be postponed last week for our discussion on Satoru Iwata, and we haven't found a good time to reschedule yet, but we are working on it, and we'll let you guys know when we've got some more news. So, let's start off, uh, let's start off with the smaller stuff this week and, and work our way up to the really big stories. So, if you're wishing that we'd get more Banjo-Kazooie games, you are not alone, and you're in for a treat. A dedicated fan is working on a ROM hack of the original Banjo-Kazooie called Banjo-Kazooie Returns. It's an all-new game, essentially what Banjo-Kazooie 3 would have been if it were on Nintendo 64. And we recently got a new trailer for it, and it looks as authentic as the real deal. I, I like that it's it's kind of a super remix of a lot of elements from the, the past games. Um, I actually just played through Banjo-Kazooie again uh, a couple weeks ago, so... You know, I, I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm recognizing the pieces they're putting together, and I'm also seeing lots of new set pieces. So it's it, it's it's good fan service, but it's it's creative fan service, which is good. Kensuke Tanabe has recently opened up a little bit about Metroid Prime Federation Force. He's revealed that Dark Samus's storyline is all said and done, and future Metroid games will focus on exploring other facets of the Metroid story. He specifically compares it to the Avengers, how each hero has their own movies for their backstories, and then they come together as a team. And, you know, you've got uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that stuff going on in the cinematic universe. But Federation Force teaches us about the Galactic Federation specifically. And he says there's more to learn about Silux, about the other hunters. So it's going to be interesting how the Metroid story unfolds from here. Yeah, you know, I think it would be cool to see the the conflict between the Federation Force, or the, the Galactic Federation, <laughs> that is, and the Space Pirates fleshed out a little bit more. But at the same time, um, I feel like Fusion and Other M the most recent 2D and the most recent 3D Metroid were both um, a little more focused on finding out sort of the bad stuff that the Galactic Federation was doing and setting Samus up for a conflict with them. So I'd rather see Samus versus the Federation rather than get deeper into uh, the Federation versus the Space Pirates. Well, I mean, from a Metroid timeline perspective, it kind of makes sense because this would be before all that gets revealed. Um, personally, I'm a little more concerned about the idea that they're going to have this whole team aspect of the story in the first place because, you know, fans haven't been too incredibly satisfied with the past games where Samus has teamed up with the Galactic Federation. And I think people are looking more forward to a return to form where you have Samus kind of going at it alone on her own adventure without all these NPC interruptions and Well, yeah, teammates. but to be fair, we've already established that people don't like this about Federation Force. Yeah. And I feel like it's such a radically different kind of game. I feel like, certainly from a lore perspective, what they're going for here is completely justified, I feel like. Yeah, I like the idea of it as like this expanded Metroid universe type of thing, but uh, the way he, that we're hearing about it, it sounds more like a set up for some other game other story involving samus and all these other events that are happening mm -hmm. rather than these events just kind of being additions to the lore right, right and as i mentioned before you know i'm a little concerned that if they're going to make this game have uh, a plot that's pretty relevant to the overall storyline of the series then 
I don't know how many people are even going to hear that plot because I don't know how many people are intending to buy this game on 3DS. So, right, because a spinoff of a series that already doesn't sell too great. Right, so if he wants this game to set up the events of the next major Metroid, then I feel like a lot of people are going to go into that game missing these uh, these clues that he wanted them to have to the storyline. Mm-hmm. Well, you could say the same thing about Other M, I guess. Uh, not only was that game a game that basically took the manga that no one read and shoved elements of it into a game but it's also a game that not a lot of people avoided because of the the bad press it got i mean you know it wound up selling a lot because it got discounted to like super bargain bin levels but you know i think when nintendo wants to tell a story they're going to tell the story and and you're just going to have to like follow along or deal <laughs> with it you know yeah that's true yeah so every week the npd group a team that tracks sales numbers in the u.s releases a report and nintendo follows it up with a response Nintendo's NPD response this week stated that 3DS sales for the first six months of the year are up 40% over the same time period. They also stated that the combined sales of 3DS and Wii U were up 20% over last year. So this sounds like good news, but when you look at the response each month, it really doesn't look so hot. You may remember we talked about a similar report a couple episodes ago, maybe a couple months ago at this point. But uh, if you look at the pattern... In February, 3DS sales were up 90% over that same time period, and combined was up 20. March... That's uh, Wii U specifically was up 20. Oh, Wii U specifically. Yeah. Okay, thanks for the clarification. Yep. Um, In March, 3DS was up 80%, and Wii U is up 20%. In April, 3DS was up 65, and Wii U is up 15. And in June, 3DS was up 40, and Wii U was uh, unlisted, which likely means it was negative. So when you look at this pattern, it seems like 3DS had a surge a few months ago, and then it, since then is sinking like a rock, and Wii U is certainly not improving. So, you know, they're, they're spinning it as good news, but really, really it's not great. Yeah, what I find kind of alarming about this is uh, Nintendo had previously said that they thought the new Nintendo 3DS model would spark 3DS sales, and that uh, they're their year five sales wouldn't be a decrease from the year four sales. They were hoping they would actually increase over last year. But when you look at these numbers, the the good numbers for 3DS were just in January and February, and every month since then it's performed worse and worse. And January, February, and March are all part of last year's fiscal numbers. So really, 3DS has been selling poorly each month in this fiscal year, and new Nintendo 3DS hasn't contributed anything to long-term improvements in the sales. Yeah. Yeah, I said this last time we talked about 3DS sales, but I'll I'll say it again just because some people might not have been around for that. But, um, you know, I don't know how they expect the sales to grow the way that they want them to grow or even stay stable year over year if the only games that they've put out so far that are really, like, hugely significant on 3DS were Majora's Mask 3D and Monster Hunter 4, both in February. There's been really nothing. I know Codename Steam is a game, Colin. There's really been nothing (laughs) since then. Uh, and, and I say this as a Xenoblade fan who thinks you should all buy Xenoblade on new Nintendo 3DS, uh, but there's really been nothing that's been worth kind of moving hardware for uh, since those two games. And nothing makes that more evident than the fact that they're advertising a lot of last year's games when they're advertising new Nintendo 3DS, like Smash Bros. and Pokemon. Mm-hmm. As if the Amiibo situation wasn't complicated enough, the Amiibo Skylanders things for Donkey Kong and Bowser are coming in both the normal forms that we saw at E3 and Dark Edition forms, which are pretty much the same thing, but with black fur and different colored armor and stuff. Uh, The real issue is that these Dark Editions are only available through the game's starter pack, 
and the starter packs only include either DK or Bowser. It's like Bowser for the Wii version and DK for the Wii U version or something like that. So all in all, if you're trying to collect every single amiibo, you're going to have to slap down $340 at the very, very least possible alternative, if you can find them even, uh, just for these four Skylanders amiibo. Just $340 for four of them. Uh, and then, just to make you even matter, the Dark Bowser starter pack thing is exclusive to Toys R Us. So how are the how are the normal forms available? Are they are they through just a normal Skylanders pack, or is it? I believe it's only through the starter packs. Oh, the, so so you have to buy I starter believe. packs. I could for, be wrong about that. You have to buy starter packs for all of them, basically. Then yes, that's absurd. Yeah, they couldn't at least you know put both of the characters in. in right, a standalone each, each one. Right. Right. You know, you buy a starter pack, you get Donkey Kong Bowser. You buy a different starter pack, you get the dark editions of. I don't. I don't understand. Why yeah, that's no, not it's not a thing. It's insanely convoluted, and I believe, and I, I could be wrong about these specifics, but I believe what it is is, uh, DK, is the Wii U version, uh, like exclusive. Yeah. And you can get that if you get the Wii U version game, the Wii U game. Oh God, there's so many different editions, <laughs> but. You can get DK on Wii U, either the normal edition or the dark edition. And then same for Bowser on Wii. This is starting to resemble those, like, ridiculous pre-order versions that you have for, like, AAA games now, where you have, like, mm -hmm. four tiers of editions, which each come with different things. But then the issue is that they're part of a collectible set that has other iterations, and so, ugh. This whole setup is just screaming it for scalpers to jump on it. Yeah. Right. And, and not only that, but in Skylanders, like, the figures are the game. Like, yeah, you're, so you're it's, literally it's really getting content absurd. behind a bundle. Yeah. And I, I would be surprised if they don't eventually make them available um, with, like, you know, just buy the standalone figures. But at least for now, it's, it's, that is not acceptable. Yeah. I mean, the bundles in and of themselves are not really the problem, obviously. It's the limited availability. Well, right, right. Yeah. So can we blame Activision on this one, or is it I don't know who to blame. It's I feel like it's probably Activision. Activision, I, I would say, that's, since that's they're more... in starter packs only. Yeah. There you have it, everyone. Go riot at Activision. I'll give Nintendo the benefit of the doubt because we've criticized them about Amiibo enough. <laughs> well, right. I would I would think if it were were Nintendo, they'd want to ship it as an, an Amiibo because they want to increase Amiibo right. sales. They also wouldn't want to have they... that negative reputation on. You know, if it were under their control at all, they would recognize this is a huge problem and we are already getting enough <laughs> about Amiibo. Right. We cannot have this. Well, and this isn't something like Chibi-Robo where it's this, like, really niche right. character, really niche uh, use case, really niche game. This is Skylanders and this is Donkey Kong and Bowser. Right, Like, right. they would—I don't, don't think that's how they'd approach it. Animal Crossing's Amiibo cards are sold in blind packs of three in Japan, and we've recently learned that that's going to be true worldwide. They're coming in blind packs of three in Europe and blind packs of six in North America. So if you want them all, be ready to lay down plenty of cash and plenty of frustrating time getting repeat cards. Definitely good move on the packs of six in North America. I don't think uh, Americans will accept the idea that they'd pay money and only get three cards. Uh, <laughs> that's just not how the card collection scene works at least as far as games go yeah i've said before that i think the way they handle amiibo shows that they're treating them more as collectibles than they are as gaming accessories and this is the same kind of scenario to me here where you know people that 
collect cards like you know Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic, or uh, you know I used to collect football cards when I was younger, things like that. These are the kind of people that are used to buying big packs and getting repeats, and then making sort of a social thing about it and, and trading with people. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that amiibo cards are going to be plentiful enough or interesting enough that it could create that sort of trading culture. Right. So I think this really just ends up being kind of a crappy way of charging people for your game content. Well, yeah, especially because, you know, it is the game content. You need the cards to play parts of the game. So, right. you know, if you're getting a ton of repeats and you can't find certain ones, that becomes a huge issue because then there are parts of the game that you can't play and parts of the game that you just never want to see again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, blind packs work in card games because there's a certain lottery aspect to getting rare cards, but that's mm-hmm. not really how game content ought to work. Right. Uh, you shouldn't You shouldn't feel like you're entering the lottery just to play a certain slice of a game. Which is just designing a house for a different person. It's not even, like, more meaningful content. Right, and especially since all the content is available on the game anyway, and you're really just buying, like, an access card, effectively. Yeah. Like... What is that? Well, especially if what we don't know yet, at least I believe we don't know it, uh, is whether Happy Home Designer is going to be a $40 base game in uh, Europe and North America, which it is in Japan. And if it is, that is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I think even here, it's sort of been implied that you can pre-order it at some places, which doesn't really make sense if it's not a physical game, first of all, and a game that you pay for, second of all. Um, Yeah. If it were free to play, I think it'd be a little more forgivable. Yeah. Or free to start, I guess Nintendo likes to say. DNA has elaborated on the plans to release five mobile games with Nintendo. According to the CEO of DNA West, Nintendo's five mobile games will each be a different IP and a different genre. Reggie fils also talked about uh, Nintendo's upcoming mobile games. When he was asked about balancing the mobile and handheld markets, he said that mobile games are really going to be more like snacks, and people who want to get full meals will be able to do so on a handheld device or a home console. Reggie went on to say that Nintendo wants to satisfy a wide range of gamers on a wide range of devices, and smartphones are a part of that plan. Yeah, I really like this, this plan to do five different IP and five different genres over the span of about a year and a half. You know, it kind of lets them test a couple different markets, see what's working, see what's not, and, you know, judge and go from there. I think it's a it's an interesting strategy, and it falls in line with a lot of what they had said previously about wanting to appeal to a wide range of gamers and to just get tiny little bits of money from a lot of different gamers. I think it's kind of fascinating that, you know, if you're representing his comment correctly, he's, he's suggesting that mobile games and handheld and home console games are the two the, they're the new dichotomy it's not, before it was the handheld games are the snacks and the console games are the full meals mm-hmm. so i find that kind of interesting especially with their talk about um how their future platforms at least their future dedicated gaming platforms will really just be different devices through which you access games and they with no real talk about the games necessarily being differentiated for those different form factors but it's more about people enjoying the content that they love on whatever devices they want to use and i find that interesting that he's now saying mobile games are kind of replacing the space that used to perhaps be occupied uh, by handheld games i wonder if that means that we're not going to see the extreme difference between handheld games and console games going forward Uh, Mm. what do you guys think uh, that's certainly an interesting analysis. I hadn't, I hadn't looked at it, uh, through that angle, but looking at it through that angle, just my, my sort of, uh, reactionary responses, that is a little disappointing because I like, for example, uh, take Luigi's Mansion, home console experience was an open world game. Shocking. I know 
to thinking about Luigi's Mansion that way, but it was. And it was all very cohesive, uh, very clear progression, but all taking place in the same space. Meanwhile, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon was very more traditionally gamey in that it had uh, stages and different worlds, you know, different mansions acting as different worlds. Uh, and different missions throughout each one that you would complete and end, and it would it would have a start and a beginning, and it would take 20 minutes. Uh, whereas the original game, you could play for six hours, and it would all feel like one cohesive whole. Um, and I kind of like having that dichotomy. And I think if mobile is replacing handhelds, that dichotomy won't exist nearly as much because, for example, Luigi's Mansion pretty much can't exist on a mobile device. You could have, like, a game that takes place in the Luigi's Mansion world, but you couldn't have a real Luigi's Mansion game. Um, but and I, and I like those two different styles and two different approaches to Luigi's Mansion. And that's something I think that really only happens when you have that handheld console dichotomy. And I hope that doesn't entirely go away. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll still see games that are probably more suited to handhelds, like Pokemon, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and games that are more suited to consoles, like a, a large-scale Zelda game. Um I imagine that if they were to kind of make the lineups more or less the same, we'd see uh, more of an effort to accommodate people who are playing on whatever device by, for example, having a more robust save system, uh, having progression that is more based on small steps rather than uh, large strokes where you have to kind of play for 45 minutes straight and that's the only way you can really progress. Um, anyway, it's all speculation at this point, obviously, but... Um, I just think it's interesting. My first uh, reaction to that theory, Alex, is that it was mostly just sort of like PR speak from Reggie and not really a, a deeper look into the future of Nintendo. Just sort of, you know, he had to explain how they were going to balance the two markets. And so that was the easiest analogy for him to use. Because I think if you look at uh, Nintendo's recent development history, Colin pointed out with Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, but it's also true with Sticker Star and some of the other games yeah, where they've absolutely. made a a pretty significant point of changing up the level design to make it feel more like a handheld game than a, uh, a console experience. But then also on the other side, they very recently dissolved the barriers between their handheld development team and their console development team, and they brought all of their development teams together under one roof as one big working unit. So they've taken away sort of the, the physical difference in terms of their staff between handhelds and consoles. And the ideas are flowing kind of freely between the two groups. So I think it's possible that, that you're right. You know, with, if, if they're talking about seeing Nintendo more as a platform and uh, if they're talking about unifying their development teams, I, th I think it's possible we will start to see the two kind of blend into one in terms of gameplay. Yeah, I'm also seeing a lot of crossover between the two already with games like Smash Bros. and now Hyrule Warriors mm -hmm. and Xenoblade and all these games that just you know, a few years ago, they were very definitively console experiences, and they're already being done on 3DS, which is not by any means a, a system that has good parity with Nintendo's consoles. So imagine. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't because I haven't played Xenoblade 3D, but wasn't one of the biggest concerns with Xenoblade Chronicles 3D that it was really a it was very dedicated home console game that was just way too big, way too long to fit on a handheld and in in shorter more comfortable play sessions. I mean, so so some of that parody I think that we're seeing recently is perhaps not the best choice. I don't know that I'd say Xenoblade's not necessarily suited for a handheld. I think most of the complaints were about the fact that you lost a lot of the awe the visual factor. Fidelity. Yeah, the visual fidelity, 
Uh, obviously, the audio quality is not going to be quite up to what it was. Uh, the sense of scale is still there, but it's not as impressive. I think that's what most people were, were put off by. But Xenoblade is a, one of the kinds of games that I was mentioning where it's designed so that you can drop in and drop out really easily. But at the same I time, see. there is the sense of scale. So if you wanted to play for like three hours, you could. And I certainly have, even on 3DS. But I've also, you know, started up a quest, done a quest, and then quit because I had to turn my system off. I see. Um, so we'll, we'll see if that's the the sort of design mentality they're going to go with going forward because we are starting to see a lot of the console-type experiences bleed across, even on 3DS. Mm-hmm. So here we are with the, uh, the, the biggest story of the last couple weeks there have been a lot of rumblings about devil's third lately now buckle up because this is going to be a long long story tamaki from unseen 64 reports that nintendo of america dropped all plans to publish devil's third after seeing that it is well just absolutely terrible um another publisher could have still picked up the game some sites reported that a publisher already stepped forward and according to emily rogers xseed planned to publish the game but the game's creator, Itagaki, says that fans shouldn't believe lies and rumors, and after all this went down, Nintendo of America said they are excited to bring the game to Wii U, that they'll have more to share soon. Um, now, of course, all this was after a bunch of fan backlash. You know, one of the biggest issues was Nintendo was absolutely silent about Devil's Third E3, and if it's coming out anytime soon, why would they be? It had also been removed from the uh, coming soon section on the North American eShop. That's right, that's right. Um, so there are a lot of, there's a lot of speculation that they really were planning not to publish it. And in order to prove his report is true, Tamaki predicted well in advance that European reviewers had a lot of criticism for Devil's Third, citing problems like dated graphics, terrible frame rates, cheesy characters, and gameplay that just is not fun. Uh, some of the footage of the game has been released, and just as Tamaki said, European reviewers are absolutely trashing it. It's being called one of the worst games in years, and so bad it might be good. Uh, we've also got a look at, you know, gameplay footage, and, and yeah, I think we can attest to it. It looks terrible. Um, the creator, again, Itagaki, has responded to this criticism, defending against it by saying that people are only giving Devil's Third bad press because they're not good at the game. Uh, Itagaki says that the videos that have been released are posted by gaming media, these videos containing footage from the final build of the game are very poor, and that he'll be sharing, quote, genuine footage soon. Yesterday, however, Nintendo confirmed that they would publish Devil's Third in North America. But then, Valhalla Studios, the game's developers, are also releasing a free-to-start PC version of the game with multiplayer tailored to PC gamers. So it's no longer Wii U exclusive, uh, the Wii U multiplayer and PC multiplayer will not be able to connect to one another, so... My god, that is a lot to unpack. Yeah, I don't even know where to start. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll say one, Itagaki needs to suck it up. Yeah, yeah, don't don't defend your game before it's even come out. Let's just put it that way. Let I mean, reviewers being negative on your game is one thing. I mean, a lot of games get negative reviews, but then the... The public loves them for, like Wii Sports, for example, was not reviewed very highly. But at the same time, it was one of the most influential and most bought games of the last generation. So I would, if he's being defensive before the people, the people being, you know, the average gamer, really gets to play it, that's that's not a good sign. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like that's a sign of, of immature. And I don't want to criticize him too much here. But I, I feel like guy. that's just a sign of, right. But... <laughs> It, it sounds to me like he's 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 not responding 
respondless. <laughs> he's not responding slash handling. I guess that's <laughs> these criticisms. Uh, well, it comes off as very very defensive mm-hmm. and, and petty. Yeah, especially when he's taking pot shots at the press. Yeah, when he's saying that they're not good at playing the game. Like, and there's, come on, man. Per, I, I haven't played it, so I obviously can't comment. But, you know, looking at how people reacted to games like Wonderful 101, that is a game where I could see if you just couldn't get into it and you weren't very good at it, you would have a terrible time and you'd trash it. Wonderful 101's a, an okay game. I wouldn't say it's a terrible game. Um, but this just, this I, I don't even see a silver lining with this. It doesn't even look good. It looks like something that could have come out on PlayStation 2. Yeah, I mean, this game has been in development since, like, 2008, I think, and they've gone through, like, three different graphics engines and a couple different publishers, and it, it shows. It just feels like a... From the footage we've seen, again, I haven't gone hands-on with it, so I can't comment on the gameplay, but graphically, and, you know, like, the character models and the movements and things like that, it just it just looks like a game that should have come out, like, two generations ago, really. Yeah, it looks like something I played at the arcade when I was in, like, high school. And, you know, maybe there's there's a market for that. Like they said, you know, it's it's one of those games that's so bad it could become a cult classic. So in a way, I'm, I'm glad it's still coming to North America because there are people that really, really want it. And it's it's good for them that they'll get to have it. But I, I don't think it looks like a good game. Yeah, absolutely not. And it's and the, the wonderful one on one comparison is interesting. But on the other hand, Devil's Third is a genre that has been done plenty of times before. Yes. yes. Wonderful one on one was a brand new idea with brand new gameplay mechanics and brand new control mechanisms. Devil's Third is none of those things. It's extremely familiar and it it, it does the familiar very poorly. So, yeah. you know, saying people just aren't good enough at it is not an OK excuse. Right. It just looks like a rough game. <laughs> right. Uh, but that, that said, there is a place for these so bad it's good sorts of games. I mean, I just watched what's widely regarded as like the worst movie of all time, which is The Room. Oh boy! <laughs> last, I just watched that last night. I've seen You're it like six times. You're tearing me apart, Lex. Yes, I tear everything apart. It's like one of my favorite movies, but not because oh, it's good, but because it's just good fun. Right. Uh, right. And by fun, I mean I just can't handle it. So I wonder though. Do you guys think that Nintendo of America dropped plans to publish it and then decided to publish it again after there was all this backlash? It's it's possible because we saw at least three different sources say that they had people in Nintendo that told them that. So Right. And other sources coming forward saying that, that there were other publishers who were doing it. Yeah, at least two saying it was gonna be Xseed, I believe. Yeah, so there I mean there's there I feel like there's enough information there that suggests that it really was true that there were all these plans, and then after the fans got so furious at the idea, oh, Tamaki, what are you saying? There's no way Nintendo's wrong. Or, or rather, there's no way that Nintendo decided to, to stop publishing it. Then afterwards, uh, Nintendo was like, oh, yikes, maybe we should publish this. The timing is incredibly suspicious, and especially yeah. since there's this mysterious PC multiplayer version that no one had heard of. It almost sounds like oh. there was kind of an exit strategy kind of in the works. You know, that's actually a good point. I mean, it's not like it takes and it's not like it's easy to develop a PC port of something, but it's just the multiplayer. It's not not even the single player and it's obviously not designed to expand the multiplayer so that Wii U players and PC players can play together. So it doesn't sound right. like something that was kind of planned from the start. It sounds like something that was rushed to me anyway. Yeah. Anyway, well, I, I don't know what to make of this because I feel like so many parties are 
scrambling to hide up the truth and then uncover the truth and then change the truth. It's Honestly, so I much would, going on. would have been totally okay if Nintendo had not published Devil's Third. I think I... it was an unusual decision in the first place. Um, I think they're, it, it shows that they're clearly scraping at the bottom of the barrel for their third-party exclusives. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think honestly, it looks like Devil's Third is a blemish on their publishing reputation rather than anything to be proud of. So I, I am kind of surprised, honestly, that they didn't stick to their guns and say, no, we're not going to publish this. Yeah, I, I can imagine it now. They're approaching third parties for next generation and... and everyone's kind of talking about them as the publisher <laughs> behind devil's third <laughs> well anyway uh so moving on a little bit of course in light of satoru iwata's passing there has been a lot of fan art many tributes and other sorts of news about the gaming community celebrating his life so here are a couple of the highlights that that we found this week that we really liked and we'll share with you nintendo set up a meverse thread for fans to show their love for iwata there's also a memorial for him at the nintendo world store in new york city where fans can pay their respects and share their memories one fan used to street pass Iwata regularly, and he took a moment to respond to her with a personal message. Uh, she said, like, more fruit jokes, please. And he responded with a personal message. It was very cute. Um, Takeda delivered a really touching eulogy for Iwata at his funeral. You, you should, I recommend you all read that. It's really sweet. Uh, Nintendo composer Chip Tanaka remixed the Balloon Fight theme in Iwata's honor. You can play as Satoru Iwata in Balloon Fight with this gamer's sweet tribute. Uh, you can actually download it yourself. And Artsy Omni has launched a drive where you can buy a t-shirt that reads, Thank you, Mr. Iwata, whose proceeds will go to support research for bile duct cancer. So if you want to wear your support and send money to a good cause in his honor, now you can. The eulogy in particular stood out to me because I think a lot of people have been speculating, you know, now that Iwata's gone, does that mean Nintendo's going to kind of change directions? Does that mean we're going to see new things come out of Nintendo that we wouldn't have seen with him at the helm? But if you really read the eulogy closely, it very much sounds like a we're going to stay the course and we're going to follow the path he has set out for us yeah. sort of message. So, you know, I think a lot of people before before his passing, of, of course, had there was a lot of discussion about whether he should continue as president uh, and whether replacing him as president might mean new things. But now that that's actually going to have to happen, uh, don't expect any don't expect any surprises. <laughs> right, right. Uh, what struck me about the eulogy, though, too, was uh, just the really sweet metaphors about the the seeds and the flowers and the smiles. I'm also a really savvy person, so. <laughs> it's all very Japanese. Um, so, uh, I was going to go somewhere with that. But... <laughs> um, I do like the, the fact that they're setting up impromptu Miiverse threads. I think, uh, I think that's something that's kind of been missing from Miiverse, is this idea that when things happen, there will be a, a place besides just the occasional um, announcement community for a certain game, because uh, those are pretty rare, uh, for, for people to discuss things that are, are current. Anyone remember the Onet Times? Yeah. Earthbound series news. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think that that aspect of Miiverse has been really underutilized, so I'm happy that I'm happy to yeah. see that, that this has been kind of a good reason for them to to use it. Yeah. So finally, before we get to our lightning round, I want to let you guys know that Gamnesia is officially accepting new volunteer writers. So if you fancy yourself a thoughtful member of the gaming community and you've got some free time on your hands to start thinking about uh, gaming and writing about gaming as more than just a hobby, you can head on over to the site and find out how you can join the team. 
And as always, to conclude the news segment of this week's show, we're bringing you a lightning round with little nuggets of information. If you want to read more about any of the stories we discussed above, or anything you hear in the upcoming lightning round, you can check them out at gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar uh, at the top of the site. And on that post for the podcast episode, you'll see all, all the links. So here's some upcoming dates to look out for, as well as some recent releases. A heap of new Splatoon DLC has come out since our last news update, including maps, weapons, and more. Mario Tennis for Nintendo 64 is now available on the Wii U Virtual Console. On July 24th, the Palutena Amiibo releases as an Amazon exclusive. Why? I know. <laughs> From July 24th through July 27th, you can download Diancy via Wi-Fi distribution in Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. On July 30th, Zeo Drifter launches on Wii U, and it's free to those who own it on 3DS. And on November 28th, Monster Hunter X launches in Japan. And there are a few general facts from last week and reminders for you. The Mario Kart 8 soundtrack is now available through Club Nintendo Europe. Blaziken has been confirmed as a playable fighter in Pokémon Tournament. Pokémon Tournament is aimed at Pokémon fans instead of fighting game players, so if you're a fan of Pokémon, you can get into it that way. You know, you don't have to be a really skilled Tekken player to, to enjoy it. We've got a bunch of new info on Pokémon Super Mystery Dungeon. Nintendo brought a Mewtwo Amiibo to San Diego Comic-Con, so its release may not be that far away. Nintendo wants to integrate Amiibo into future games in the core Animal Crossing series, not just the spin-offs. Nintendo's unsure where Triforce Heroes fits in the Zelda timeline. Project Guard is still in development, now handled by Platinum Games, and we know it's going to work in conjunction with Star Fox Zero in some way. No word, however, on Project Giant Robot. Sega is launching Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on 3DS eShop, and it retains the co-op play from the original game if uh, two people with 3DSs own the, own the 3D version. Tembo the Bat <laughs> Elephant, Game Freak's latest title, their collaboration with Sega we talked about a while ago, is now available on all consoles except for Nintendos. Gravity Falls is getting a video game on Nintendo 3DS. Mojang wants to have Minecraft on 3DS and Wii U. The 3DS successor to Seaman is officially cancelled, and the Wii U version of Project Cars is also officially cancelled. The blue new 3DS may release in North America this August. Nintendo wanted the original Game Boy to have color graphics, but Gunpei Yokoi pushed for monochrome. And finally, someone is creating an art book with information and artwork from every NES game ever released, as well as a complete collector's guide. It's amazing for people who like looking through art book. It's going to be great for collectors. So be sure to check that out if you are interested. So that wraps up the news section for this week's episode. But be sure to stay tuned because after the break and this wonderful break music, we are going to be talking about Mario Kart 8 and what we would like to see if it ever gets more DLC. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. We are back with more Nintendo Week. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. It's a me. And Ben Lamoureux. It's a him. And uh, this week, we are talking about what we would like to see if Mario Kart 8 gets more DLC, either a third pack or like a new update like the 200cc thing. So uh, I think first, what we're going to do is we're going to go over what characters we'd like to see, and then we're going to start talking about like maybe some crossover characters and tracks and stuff and 
that'll be a nice segue into what tracks we'd like to see, and then we're going to cap it off with some out-of-the-box ideas. So, uh, I think, I like the format where we go ABC, Alex Ben Collin, uh, <laughs> when we do discussion. So, do you guys want to go with that? Sure. Spotlight's on you, Alex. Don't disappoint us. Um, honestly, for characters... I don't have any particular burning ones that I want to see in. However, I would like to see more character skins, kind of like we got for the Shy Guys and the Yoshis. Uh, it gets kind oh, of... Oh, you mean like we could have like Metal Mario, for example? Yeah, we could have... Or yeah. the Koopalings. That, that would be a fantastic example. Um, but but since obviously all those <laughs> oh, characters man. are in already, I'd like to see things where, where you give... You know, if multiple pl- people are in the same room, maybe they have the chance to be a little more visually distinct from each other when they're playing online. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. you know, I have to, th- I have to really pay attention to see which of the three Mario players is actually passing me while I'm playing. Uh, I would like to not have to think about that so hard. So maybe you <laughs> give him a fire Mario skin. Maybe you give him a... Alex, the solution is don't get passed. Um, <laughs> that usually doesn't happen. Get good, scrub. <laughs> but on the off chance that it does, I just think it's, it's something that they did with, with Yoshi and Shy Guy, but I feel like that was a missed opportunity. I feel like there were so, there's so many more characters who, who could benefit from the skins. Oh, absolutely. And they also, they have so many different variations. They have, what, they have Mario, Metal Mario, uh, Tanuki Mario, Baby Mario wouldn't work as a skin. But, I mean, still, you know, they don't have Fire Mario or Ice Mario or anything. Right. Smash does skins, why can't Mario Kart? Right, yeah. And, and of course, obviously, it's a missed opportunity for this particular entry but you know it wouldn't be that difficult to have a tanuki version of everybody as an alternate skin or something like that but you know too too little too late i guess so when i play mario kart i think the most important objective of all is pissing off all your friends like i I think (laughs) it's just universally agreed that that's why people play mario kart right oh god what are you what are you getting to (laughs) so the obvious choice for the next dlc character is tingle because how pissed off are your friends going to be <laughs> when you knock them off the track at the last second as Tingle? <laughs> oh, man. Well, Waluigi already covers that. Not That's as much as issue. Tingle. Um, <laughs> is that your only your only character? Uh, no, actually, I'd uh, I'd really like to see Samus added in. Mm, good choice. Yeah, I think Metroid fans are you know some of the most diehard Nintendo fans you'll find, and we've seen you know the Zelda series and other things like that. Animal Crossing represent. I don't think you've ever talked to a mother fan. That's true. <laughs> um, or Sanic. Sanic. <laughs> but they're not really that Nintendo. That doesn't count. Uh, you know, I, I think it would be great for, for the Metroid fan base of Nintendo to be represented in, in uh, Mario Kart. Yeah. No, good choice. Um, well, there are five characters that I think... Only five? Well, no, no, no. I, I, I'm just he's, saying... Like, he's narrowed them down to five. You, you, <laughs> but you know me. I always get really excited about this stuff and pitch way too many ideas and... But that's because I love Nintendo, and and obviously I have way better ideas than them. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> uh, but there are there are five characters that I think uh, should come back to Mario Kart. And I'm not saying, like, all of these should be in the DLC, but, like, these are the ones that I think they should choose from for DLC. Bowser Jr., Diddy Kong, Birdo, King Boo, and Petey Piranha, I think, are characters that shouldn't have been removed from Mario Kart at any point. And, uh, well, save for, like, handhelds, because I know those rosters are always smaller. Um, but, um, yeah, I find it very strange that they're not in Mario Kart 8, especially when we've got baby Rosalina and Cat Peach. Uh, Alex, you sounded like you were going to say something. 
I was just going to break your heart by saying Petey Perron is a terrible character and you should feel bad for suggesting him. Well, I, I don't care. He's been in Mario Kart before and he has a name. That's that's the criteria for Mario Kart characters is they need to exist and have a name. They're already getting into characters that didn't exist and yeah. don't have names. Yeah. So like what? They're not in any dearth here for, oh, it's, for it's actual characters. Oh, it's preferable to Pink Gold Peach. That, that's mm-hmm. definitely true. Nothing <laughs> is preferable to Pink Gold Peach. Except possibly Pink Gold Baby Koopalings. <laughs> God. But, you know, I, I say Petey Piranha not because I think Petey Piranha is a great character, but because, you know, when characters like Dry Bones and Paratroopa and stuff are getting cut, that makes a lot more sense than cutting a character who's actually a character and not just a generic sort of commonplace enemy. You know what I'm saying? Sure. As for like new characters that I think should be added to Mario Kart, and I think it's a crime that they have not been in the past, uh, Toadsworth, because Toadsworth is amazing. He's so much fun, and we have have Toad and Toadette already, and I would love to see him like wave his cave around and... I was going to say, imagine the incredible trick animations. I know, I was going to say. And he would, like, jump off a ramp and go, yada, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, So Toadsworth is great. Professor E. Gad, uh, for a lot of the same reasons, we've talked about how much I love those two characters in the past. Uh, I generally just like crazy old people. <laughs> so it's what e. you aspire to be, great. so that doesn't spread. Well, me. yeah, of course. Um, and actually, though, now now that I think about it, E. Gad would work great uh, for bringing back Luigi's Poltergust car from Mario Kart DS. Yes. Like they brought back the B-Dasher. Um, and then Fawful, because Fawful is amazing. And Thoughtful would be so much fun to see in Mario Kart, and or at least in anywhere other than Mario RPGs. You know, he he would have been like a great Smash Bros. assist trophy, or and I think he'd be a lot of fun as a racer. Yeah, I mean, the Mario RPGs do need more representation, uh, mm-hmm. not just not just in Mario Kart, but just across the board, because they really mm-hmm. are just kind of limited uh, to that that side of the universe when there's really so much more potential well and each individual game too i feel like uh, yeah like a, a the bean the bean kingdom is like never visited again and then the whole part all the partners in time locales they're confined to there. paper mario stuff is always just that one game and never even mentioned in passing again yeah so yeah and i think it goes without saying that we all wholeheartedly agree that Captain Toad needs to be in it. Oh, that would be great. He must. He must be in it. Yeah. Well, that would be a great skin for Toad if they did the character skins. Well, yeah, that's true. Or, or well, I was going to say maybe make him the default Toad. But, no, because Toad himself classic is Toad is, the best. Is kind you got to go with classic. Yeah. yeah. But that reminded me, since since there's a lot of Super Mario Brothers 2 elements in Captain Toad, I would love to see more Super Mario Brothers 2 representation. Uh, yeah. Birdo's been cut, obviously. Uh, I'd love to see Wart make it in. Wart's a great character. Yeah, we haven't um, seen Wart ever. No. I mean, he was there was a cameo in, uh, in Link's Awakening. What about Tatanga from Mario Land? Yeah, Tatanga, uh, the Mario Land games could could. I remember when that. Galaxy was coming out and people were sort of theorizing that Tatanga would be the bad guy, because you know he's an alien and all that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, the, and there like was the that ultimate. mysterious UFO that we never really find out what that what that's. Oh yeah, about. yeah, that's right. Well, so we sort of started getting into this a little bit, but uh, what about like crossover characters and crossover ideas? So going along with me wanting Samus uh, as part of Mario Kart, I think it would be cool to have like a Norfair track. Uh, really, any of the like major areas from super metroid could be done pretty cool as tracks but i like lava so let's <laughs> go with no fair nor fair because um you know a big part of the metroid experience is how there's lots of different branching paths and you can kind of choose oh, which way yeah. you go and the better you get at optimizing it the faster you are and so with mario kart you know 
that's obviously a mechanic that could work well with it and especially when you toss in like the uh anti-grav areas and things like that's that. that's a really good so, idea yeah you know i think you could really get that that metroid feel onto a mario kart track well done ben. yeah well i mean if you're gonna go down that route they might as well throw in the real deal captain falcon um they've already got the f-zero tracks i, I right. those have been very popular i can't imagine them not wanting to do another one if they happen to have more mario kart dlc um and he'd be a kind of a good kind of nod to the fans of those tracks yeah uh so my first pitch is kirby because kirby uh, would be amazing and super appropriate yeah and he would fit really well with the context of mario kart i think especially given like kirby's air ride yep um which, and speaking of which i think they could just pull a track out of kirby's air ride and make that a mario kart course um checker knights or like the beanstalk thing there's a lot of great music there and a lot of you know they're fun race courses and that would be a great way to revisit the idea of kirby's air ride without um without having to like actually invest in a new game but then on you know on the other hand what also could be really cool is if instead of doing that they decide like hey what if we do a kirby's epic yarn course or a uh, Kirby and the Rainbow Curse course with all these different art styles I think that that could be really cool with Mario Kart uh, first choice is still Kirby Air Ride Track though that's that's an interesting angle on it because uh, you know when you think about it that way it'd be it'd be kind of cool to see a Diddy Kong racing reference kind of make it in I was uh, thinking that yeah that's a awesome. franchise that's been gone for so long and I know we've been yeah. hearing rumors that it might be making a resurgence but it, that obviously hasn't happened yet and this would be kind of a mm -hmm. great way to kind of prepare fans yeah, you know, like we, we've talked about how maybe the uh, F-Zero courses are sort of to gauge interest for a new F-Zero game, and they could do the exact same thing with the uh, Diddy Kong Racing track. Yeah, yeah. Um, so can we get Conker as a playable character, too, then, while we're at it? <laughs> That'd be Conker nice. and Banjo and Tipped Up. Yeah. TT. TT. TT, I was actually thinking, would be good for Mario Kart. <laughs> Anyone have any other crossover suggestions you know i feel like they should do another track from the legend of zelda but someone more creative than me should decide what it is <laughs> um ganon's castle goron well, racetrack Ooh, Tower. yeah goron that's good Ooh, goron's goron's good too i'd like to see something that kind of explores more of the variety in hyrule uh mm -hmm. rather than maybe just a themed track so maybe you have something that's sort of part mountain part underwater well, part uh desert i don't know hyrule circuit does go between the field and the castle town and yeah but the that's castle that's kind of like the the lowest common denominator kind of stuff yeah uh, well here, I mean, here's the thought i had that. the lost woods you know especially in ocarina of time sort of goes goes everywhere oh, and connects to everywhere so you know you could have like a lost woods segment that branches off into three paths and each one will take you to a different part of hyrule yes yeah i think that'd be kind of cool i love that idea that is an amazing Hey, I'm on idea. fire today with these track ideas. Nintendo, <laughs> Bam, never mind. Man. Hire me. Let's go. <laughs> um, so my my second idea for a, a crossover like character and stuff would be Olimar and a Pikmin course. I think Olimar would be oh, a great yeah, fit for great. Mario Kart. Yeah, and uh, you know, the SS Dolphin car would be really cool. And of course, a track where you're t like Pikmin-sized and going through this giant world. Uh, I think that would just be so cool. And I think there's a lot of potential for, like, uh, Mario Kart 8 has a lot of dynamism in the, the racetracks themselves, where the tracks sort of evolve as you go through them. And I think there's a lot of potential there with, with uh, Pikmin, because in the world of Pikmin, they're building, like, bridges and vines, and, and things are growing all the time. And so I think there's a lot of really cool potential where, like, you know, maybe in the first lap, the Pikmin are building a bridge, and then in the next lap, it becomes a shortcut if you're 
like maybe if you're there quick enough, but if, if you fall too far behind, the bulb orb comes in and breaks it down or something. Uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff I think they could do with a Pikmin course. Yeah, here's an idea. Uh, so there's the, the whole concept is you want to get off the planet before it's nighttime. So how do <gasps> they day-to-night transition between laps one oh, and three? Oh, that's really good. And um, then when you and then when you uh, go through the, the goal, it's you sort of fly into like the SS Dolphin, and then at the end it lifts everybody up. Yeah, and, and, and it's, really it's possible cool. that they could ha- just have lap three be the ultra dangerous nighttime, and you're trying to escape yeah. before the, the monsters yeah. get you. Yeah, and there are a lot of track hazards and stuff. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that I think is, is kind of cool about that idea is uh, Pikmin is a game that kind of revolves around you encountering these kind of everyday objects, but they're mm-hmm. because you're so small, they're so large to you. And they could really right. exploit that uh, with the track designs. We kind of got a taste of what that might be like with Ribbon Road, but the track itself did not really uh, have a lot of those things as features of the track. They were kind of off-track uh, right. decor- decorative. Uh, right. and, and here you could, you know, for example, jump off of a cell phone. Uh, you know, they had that old flip phone in Pikmin mm-hmm. 3 that, that could make right. a good ramp. Uh, there's just so many different objects that they could kind of mesh together to make an interesting track design. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, one that I think absolutely has to happen. It's such a perfect fit, and it would be so much fun, and they need to do something with this series. Mother? Yes. Put <laughs> Ness it. and Mario Kart... Eagle Land racetrack, like like Eagle Land circuit or something like that, where you're you're racing all around Eagle Land and seeing everything in like HD and it looks awesome. And uh, and the music, if you guys, anyone listening has played Earthbound and you know the opening credits theme, yes, you know how well that works as a Mario Kart track. Just just live record that straight and put it into Mario Kart. Perfect music. I need this to happen. It's just. <laughs> It's, this is one of those ideas where, where I've had this idea and now I will be mad if it doesn't happen. I will be mad at Nintendo for me thinking of this. <laughs> yeah, that, that would definitely be great. And I also think uh, New Pork City from Mother 3 could be a fun track as well. Yeah, I was thinking that earlier today. I was thinking, uh, like, what if instead of Earthbound they did Mother 3? And I was, man, New Pork City would be great. Well, especially since we haven't had this, like, urban, new urban environment, all the urban tracks in... Uh, well, Neo Bowser City. Well, those are um, old, though. Those aren't new Mario Kart tracks for Mario Kart 8. Yeah, uh, that's true. You know, Toast Turnpike was also a retro track. Uh, that's true. But I was I was kind of thinking that, though, because uh, in Mother 3, when DCMC performs uh, Porky's theme, it's like this jazzed-up sort of version. Uh, and I was thinking that would also just work great for Mario Kart. Uh, anyway, those are my three crossover characters. I love the Pikmin one. <laughs> Must happen. I know. It's so... I, I get really enthusiastic about these ideas. And, and this is what makes me really wish that they did a Nintendo Kart officially instead of just Mario Kart with a couple crossovers. Because there are so many great ideas for, like, racing settings. And it'd be nice to refresh the item lineup, too. Because uh, we're, we're, we're all used to the items in Mario Kart. But but there's this point where, where I think that they, they could do, you know, something totally different and totally change up the balance, which... I know it's something a lot of people complain about, um, and that'd be, you know, perfect because you're starting basically from scratch. You don't even have to have shells and bananas and, right. and bombs, and you can just have whatever. So do we want to move on to, to tracks, new tracks and old tracks? So I've always been very disappointed by the lack of true Super Mario Galaxy representation in the recent okay. Mario Karts. So I... Well, I know a lot of that's kind of overlaps with Rainbow Road, uh, in the sense that Rainbow Road is set in space. Um, yeah, it's I'd got love... the launch stars and star bits everywhere and stuff. Yeah, 
But there's a lot of stuff in Mario Galaxy that has the space theme, but also has a kind of different flavor that you can't capture quite in the same way with Rainbow Road. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of the things that I'd like to see is a focus on a lot of the sort of more mechanical uh, settings from Super Mario Galaxy. Specifically, the thing that spawned this idea for me was was Boy Base Galaxy. Um, that would be so. And you cool. could have it kind of flow in and out of like a Boy Base type environment with the the Dreadnought Galaxy, uh, the Space Junk Galaxy. Have a section where you're driving through the Comet Observatory. Uh, so it's not you know in 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 Mario Kart Eight the Rainbow Road was like this this one space station and with Rainbow Road kind of flowing mm-hmm. through it but in this case it'd be a bunch of different galaxy type environments kind of meshing together right i love that idea i was trying to think how they could do a good mario galaxy track earlier and i couldn't think of anything but that is awesome yeah i mean we were kind of used to rainbow road being like the climactic end game track and this would right. be a cool alternative to that for a dlc type of thing right well, especially considering the Mario Kart 8 Rainbow Road was so boring. Yeah, it's got like one or two sort of interesting things, but but on the whole, it's That's not, not the a best. lot. Yeah, and not for a Rainbow Road, certainly. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ben, track pitch? Yeah, um, I don't really know what kind of Mario track I would want to add into it. You know, I've got like some classic ones I'd love to see return, but yeah, for well, new ones... Yeah, throw out some retro tracks. Or okay, retro well, tracks or most of my, my retro track wants are just super nostalgia fueled because i played a lot of mario kart 64 growing up and for some reason i always really liked calamari desert and i enjoy playing that on the 3ds version so i'd like to see that on wii u well i guess my first new track pitch will be uh dr mario nice something that goes kind of through like the pill bottle it has like viruses around and it's sort of like a dark environment but also something maybe even that goes through like Dr. Mario's Laboratory, which we've never seen, so they could make something up completely on their own, but still have this, like, theme of Dr. Mario, which I think would be super cool. A lot of my new track pitches are based on, like, bringing other Mario things into Mario Kart. And it'd be fun based on, you know, the alternate coin items we saw in the uh, some of the other crossover tracks. It'd be fun to see Dr. Mario takes on <gasps> some of the items, like shells. Oh, yeah! Uh, where they're, they're, maybe they're pills, or, I don't know, uh... There's lots yeah, of, no, that would be really cool. Lots of images you could you could play around with with that, like an exploding yeah. virus instead of a bomb. Like I don't know. <laughs> I like that, or or like a virus buster thing from uh, Miracle Cure. Yeah, those yeah. could be some of the items. That would be really cool. Yeah, and it'd all be aesthetic. Like the gameplay would yeah. be the same, but right. Yeah, right. I mean, if you're gonna bring in this alternate flavor of Mario, you might as well go all the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number two suggestion is Flower Fields from Paper Mario. Yes! It'd be oh, probably be freaking gorgeous. It's a We've seen a lot of field-like tracks, but they've all kind of been the yeah. sort of boring Super Mario Bros. aesthetic uh, right. or Super Mario World aesthetic. And this would be something like completely different, completely different not only in color scheme, but in set pieces and tone oh, and music. Oh, you have no idea how happy you just made me yeah. with, with that thought. I was thinking something else, paper. Like I, I actually put down on my t- just something from Paper Mario. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, and I, I couldn't think of a track. But actually, Flower Fields is great, and Alex, you made me think of another one as well. Uh, well, I, I don't know what the the name of the area is called, but like the haunted forest area in between. Uh, oh, uh, with with Lady Bo. Like yeah, where you're going yeah. Up there? Like right before you get to her mansion. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I think uh, another like haunted course that isn't just like a ghost house or Luigi's mansion would be kind of cool. And that's another one where you could do sort of like a Lost Woodsy type things where it's different branching paths and 
everything kind of like leads you around. Well, I actually had a couple ideas for Paper Mario. I was thinking, at first I thought like Shy Guy's toy box would be really cool. Hmm. Um, but then I realized we do kind of like similar things with like Ribbon Road and they've done, they've done that in the past. It would still be neat having like all the cardboard, but, uh, but then I was thinking Glitzville from Paper Mario 2 would be really cool running, like going through this whole glitzy, like it's not showbiz, but like it's this, sort this... of like a Vegas town in a way. Yeah, kind of like that. That's the best way I can think of to describe it. But it's a Vegas town in the sky. Right. Yeah. And going through all that, like going through all these areas, like the hot dog stands and these crowd areas, and then like breaking into the building and and driving through the audience and like getting on stage and like maybe using that as like a ramp and jumping off that into the audience and like cruising on out. I just glitzville would be so cool because i feel like there are a lot of ways that they could use that setting to make a really exciting course like to make the course itself really exciting and then use the scenery of that setting to make what you drive through that much more fun yeah yeah so uh while we're still on the paper mario theme you know a Mm -hmm. lot of when i was thinking about track ideas a lot of uh the ones that where i was thinking of farming things from other mario games it was about how beautiful would this be as a track in HD? Mm-hmm. And another great Paper Mario locale would be Boggly Woods. Yes! Oh! So colorful, so alien-looking. And going um, through the, the great tree with all the punies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that is a really good idea. There's so many great Paper Mario locales that would make great tracks. Yeah. And that's, that's how I thought of a lot of my uh, new track pitches, too, was, you know, what is a great Mario universe... Uh, location that needs some love and would just look beautiful in HD. Yeah. I was also thinking the Bean Bean Kingdom from uh, Superstar Saga, Mario and Luigi. I don't know, you know, th- there's a lot of potential for where they could go. I think Chucklehuck Woods would look really cool. Um, but sort of taking a tour around like two or three different areas in the Bean Bean Kingdom and and uh, I think that could be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> kind of makes me sad that Nintendo doesn't have the full rights to Mario RPG because that that had some interesting yeah, ideas. Yeah, I know. I was I was thinking of some stuff there, and then I realized, oh man. Yeah, like Smithy's Fortress would be cool, um, or like Geno playable. Yeah, yeah, right. No hope there, sadly. <laughs> no. Two other two other course ideas that I had, and this I guess kind of goes with the crossovers, but uh, the characters didn't really work, so I, I think of them more just as like tracks, like they did with F Zero, um, but Wave Race. Great racing series from Nintendo that has no future, um, but they could still, you know, acknowledge and support it through Mario Kart. There could be like a really cool stage where you're racing in anti-gravity, but instead of racing on a track, an anti-gravity track underwater, you know, what you're racing on is actually the water. Right. And, that, and that's how they'd get around, like having to have jet skis and stuff. Right. right. Um, so that would be really cool. Um, plus the wave race main theme is awesome. Um <laughs> And then another another racing game Nintendo made that nobody really knows about. I don't know if you two know about Stunt Race FX. I do not. I've heard of it. It's. I haven't played a lot of it. It's probably not as good a game as the idea itself is. But it's kind of like these wacky cartoon cars. Um, they're like monster trucks almost. But they look as if... They look sort of like 1930s cartoons with cars that have smiley faces on them and stuff. Um, it's really cool and really fun and really colorful. The music is also really great, so that that's a big motivator for me. Um, 
But I think that would be great to put in in Mario Kart because uh, another great way to represent old racing games from Nintendo that aren't really gonna ever get any true successors. Um, I think a sort of cartoony, happy monster truck would be a lot of fun to put in as a car for Mario Kart. Um, so I think there's a lot of potential there for Stunt Race FX. Uh, and the one listener who knows what that is is <laughs> right now saying, Oh my god, Colin! <laughs> uh, you're welcome, one listener. Yeah, I had two other ideas as well. One of them would be a track based on the Carnival World from Super Mario 3D World. Oh! That was... One of the more interesting new things that was going on in that game, uh, especially when you consider that that strange boss that you fight. uh, Oh, the 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 giant blob one thing with the hats. Yes. Yeah. Uh, That that make kind of a cool obstacle, I think. Um, But but I liked that that was something new that they added to the Mario universe. Um, Yeah. And maybe part carnival, part that weird Bowser City thing from the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Um. All that the crazy Bowser show business type stuff were just was those were my favorite things in Mario 3D World. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, and this this is an idea I'm even more excited about, uh, Nintendo Land. Oh, oh wow! And they could take this in one of two directions. They could make a Nintendo Land course where you kind of go through different environments, or they could do go all out and do a Nintendo Land Cup, where they go. Uh, you know where they have oh. the, the best attractions that they think would make the best tracks, and, and I like and that. turn them into tracks. I like both of those ideas. Um, you know, it, it'd be fun to see e- even the the Mario Chase one. It the the way it's stylized That's is set so up different. Like a battle mode track. Yeah, it, the way it's stylized is so different. You could you could do a lot of things with with even just the Mario Chase. But but you know, there's Metroid Blast. There's uh, Battle Quest. There's yeah. There's the, the Pikmin F-Zero, one, the Ninja Castle, right? Ninja Castle, Takamaro, I, I think would be one of the more interesting ones too. Um, yeah, but there's so much content there that they can mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, Monita needs could be a, a, a character uh, that goes with the Nintendo <laughs> Land track. Uh, I purposely kept her under wraps until we talked about this. Oh my god! You know what I just realized? What? In all of Mario Kart, there's not a single track based on the arcade Donkey Kong. Hmm. You're right. How has that not happened yet? It's kind of insane. That's, that's, throw that into our DLC ideas. I'm trying to imagine how that would work, but. Yeah, I don't really know either, but I'm still surprised that that, that hasn't happened. I realized it because of Nintendo Land, because of the Donkey Kong attraction. So this is kind of a tangent off of that tangent, but uh, Little Mac in Punch-Out. <laughs> <laughs> As a Mario Kart As character? As a Mario Kart, and for the stage, you're, 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 you see uh, Doc riding on his bike. <laughs> Uh, oh i just had a really good idea though if they do glitzville which they won't but they should um they could do glitzville and they could have like punch out characters yeah. cameoing in yeah. the audience yeah and or like, even as just you on, burst... the, on the field well well i don't know in if that would ring. work because it's really more of a wrestling pit yeah um, i guess so because because it, it's more of like if you do that i feel like you'd be breaking up a fight which actually would be really cool it would um, be really cool but I, I was thinking, like, having, like, punch-out characters in the audience, like, watching the fight, and then when you... Because I had that idea, like, you, you you drive onto the stage and then drive off into the audience and make people, like, run away. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those people could be, like, punch-out characters. Uh, that yeah. would actually be really cool. Yeah. Have Doc Lewis, like, hanging out on the side of the pit eating chocolate. Yeah. Oh, man. Every time we have a discussion like this, I really want all this stuff to happen. 
And and while we're going in the sporting direction, I got more ideas, and that's uh, ones based on Mario sports games. How would that work, though? You know, Mario Golf with a golf course type setting. But those uh, are all based on, like, plains and deserts and stuff, like the rest of Mario Kart is. I guess. Or a mini golf course. Maybe. I don't know. Um, well, what about retro tracks? What are you guys thinking? So I'm all about that N64 era. And I want Chaco Mountain and Bowser's Castle yeah. on Wii U. Chaco Mountain, I like that choice. Because we haven't seen it since Mario Kart DS. Bowser's Castle was on Wii again. And I, I, love, I love that course, but I especially Chaco Mountain speaks to me. <laughs> I also miss Banshee Boardwalk. Yeah, that's another good one. It's been too long. So I didn't play a ton of Double Dash, unfortunately, because I didn't have a GameCube growing up. But I do love the DK Mountain stage. I think that'd That's be great to have in I HD. Was... And with, you know, some tracks on the walls and stuff. I was thinking Wario Coliseum in HD. Oh, yeah, I be... totally agree. Wario, Wario Coliseum. Yeah, because I feel like that'd be great in HD. Uh, anti-gravity stuff going yeah. on. So much fun. I'm surprised it hasn't come back yet. Uh, now I think is such a great time. It's such a wild level, and it fits perfectly yeah. with the with the anti gravity, like you said. Yeah, and then uh, in a similar vein, Waluigi Pinball, because uh, I mean I know it just came back on the 3DS, but I feel like Waluigi Pinball is like the perfect Mario. Yeah, it was one of my favorites, definitely uh, on the 3DS. Not only version. because of the amazing curves, but also because Waluigi's face is plastered everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um. Sorry, what were you saying, Ben? Oh, I was just agreeing with you that uh, Waluigi Pinball is outstanding. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wonder if there's um, any way we would be able to get Mario Kart Arcade GP tracks in uh, Mario Kart 8. I wonder. I wouldn't be interested in that because I've never played them, and I feel like a lot of people haven't. Uh, well, I mean, for example, that that game has Pac-Man crossover characters, so well, yeah. and Pac-Man stages. Yeah. And that'd just be an interesting way to kind of bring those in. Um... I was also thinking maybe like uh, one of the woohoo tracks from Mario Kart Seven would look good in HD. Um, I really liked those ideas, uh, so that'd be that'd be neat. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, my my one favorite Mario Kart track of all time that I've got to have back. I need it back. Is Sky Garden. Yeah. From Mario Kart Super Circuit. Just yeah. such a good course. Yeah. Uh, and it would you know we've seen how Cloud Top Cruise looks and that's gorgeous sky garden would be equally as wonderful uh, also sunset wilds nobody's gonna remember that course because because it's, it's on super circuit well yes <laughs> um, it's also like there's nothing particularly memorable about it i just really really like it mm -hmm. i think it's probably partially because it has really good music but other than that it's not that great a course admittedly i just really like it so i'd love to see it back yeah do you guys have any more ideas for retro tracks, or should we move on to the uh, the out of the box ideas? I'm ready to get out of the box. Out of the box. Out of. You guys don't know that. So here's a super crazy outside the box idea Nintendo could try. Put a real battle mode in. Yes, thank you. Is that really your your out of the? We've said this so many ben times. Ben and I just love battle mode. It's fine. Yeah. I no, there, there. I have another idea too. I just okay. couldn't pass up the chance to be yeah. snarky and whiny. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is. It is something they need to. <laughs> add. So, so Ben, Ben, here's here's my question for you: Block Fort or Double Deck? Um, Double Deck. Yeah, I'm kind. I'm, I'm yeah. kind of leaning more toward that as well. Like Block Fort's great. I mean, I'd love to have both. Honestly, I need Big Donut. But... It's all about Big Donut. <laughs> I really liked Luigi's Mansion in Double Dash. Yeah, I love Luigi's Mansion also. One. I'd love to see that one make a comeback. 
I was very sad it never made a comeback in any of the future ones. Right? For a little bit more of an outside-the-box idea, the producer of the last few Mario Karts is also heading up Nintendo's mobile division. So I'd like to see some sort of connectivity between a mobile game and Mario Kart, whether that's uh, just using various mobile games to maybe like unlock costumes in Mario Kart or vice versa, or actually a, a legitimate Mario Kart app, which I think is extremely possible since they're targeting five different genres over the course of the next year and a half or so. So I, I think there could be some interesting opportunities mm -hmm. to introduce the mobile market to Mario Kart via some kind of Mario Kart app. Yeah, well, Mario Kart is such a great casual game, and I think a really vanilla version of Mario Kart would work great on mobile devices, um, especially uh, so as then to say, you know, once they've played through four courses on mobile, then to say, hey, if you like these, if you like doing this, you might like playing it at home when there's a lot more to do and you can play as more than just Mario and Luigi. But mostly the battle mode thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I want to go back to that battle mode thing. <laughs> yeah, so um, not only the return of, of classic battle mode, but more battle mode options in addition to the classic ones. Um, so we, we had, you know, I think the only real popular additional bob, uh, battle mode mode that, that people really latched onto was the bob -omb one. But I'd love to see even more spins on the formula where they play very much like classic battle mode, but they have kind of different rule sets. I don't know what those would, that would mean, but I like I, I love the franticness of the Baba mode, mm -hmm. and I'm sure they could come up with more ideas besides this weird hybrid racetrack battle mode thing that's in Mario Kart 8 already. Cool. Well, my out-of-the-box idea is a little bit closer to being in the box, but <laughs> I really liked in Mario Kart 64 how Rainbow Road was this really insanely long track that really felt like a, a big epic finale, sort of a marathon to, to finish off the Special Cup. Um, and, you know, Special Cup was to finish off all the other cups. It was the finale of the game, really. And I really liked that idea. And what I think they should do is make Rainbow Cup that has that's a marathon cup of all eight Rainbow Road courses, all remade in HD, of course, uh, and even repackaging Rainbow Road from Mario Kart 8 in there as well. Um, marathoning the Rainbow Road courses all in this one long loop so as to say, like, look, here's this epic Mario Kart finale. Uh, it's a really long cup. It's a really... It's high stakes because if you're trying to get three stars, you've got eight races to go through. Um, but I, I love Rainbow Road and I've got to have me all these Rainbow Roads in one, one thing and I would really love to see that happen as sort of... If not for DLC in this game... I would love to see them introduce that in like the next one because I also think they need to freshen up, uh, freshen it up a little bit. How it always ends with Special Cup and Rainbow Road is the fourth one, and I think they do need a little bit of a shake up there. So I think Rainbow Cup would be a cool way to bring back people's favorite Rainbow Road memories from you know no matter what game they played, and then still uh, still finish it off in this really satisfying way. And while we're talking about Rainbow Road, I'd like to see for the tracks where they are a closed circuit, where they're not the, uh, you know, segment tracks, I'd love to see the option brought back to set the number of laps. Because I love Rainbow Road 64, and I love the reincarnation of it in Mario Kart 8 so much that I want it to be more than just one traditional lap. Yeah. And that's just not yeah. an option for me. And plus some of the other courses, uh, I'd be fine with them being two laps or maybe I'd be fine with them being four laps. Like, give us the option. There's no reason not to. You've done it in past Mario Kart games. Right, right. Yeah, I like that. All right, well, I think that, that just about wraps it up. Yeah, um, um, you mil milked me dry on this one. I had lots of ideas. 
I uh, I still have a bunch that I didn't read off because I have way too many. <laughs> Colin's a dreamer. Most of them have to do with rainbows. So everybody, and thank Mother you 3. so much, so much for listening. Uh, not Mother Three. Are you sure? Uh, you, you you dream about Mother Three every night, don't you? Only five days a week. Okay. Colin has mother um, issues. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is the end of Nintendo Week for today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from this show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. It really helps with visibility, so we greatly appreciate it, especially if you have good things to say instead of bad ones. If you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com. That's C-O-L-I-N at Gamnesia.com. G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A.com. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show, we love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show, so it's a great way to get involved. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com. If you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia to see more of our gaming news as it happens. We've got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. So thank you, everybody, so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week. Uh, no E in Gamnesia. There is an E in Gamnesia. <laughs> <laughs>